0: This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Okay, welcome back to Sportsbook. The date is February 22, and we are in the time of March Madness, fast approaching. Everyone's talking about college basketball. We're waiting for the bracket to come out. The Super Bowl is behind us. We haven't started the baseball season, and for the next month and a half, it's going to be all college basketball. Meanwhile... It has been five months since the FBI arrested 10 men in a sweeping federal probe into the underbelly of the basketball world. That is the lead sentence of the new bombshell report at Yahoo Sports from our Yahoo Sports colleague and friend, Pete Thamel. And luckily, we have him here today to talk about all this. Let's bring him on now. Hi, Pete.
1: Hey, Dan, how are you, man?
0: Great. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So let's start with this. I assume that our listeners who care about sports and money are following this story somewhat. But if we can start with kind of a, a basic primer here, let's just review what happened. I mean, I covered this story as far as it related to Adidas. There was an Adidas executive caught up in all this, obviously, uh, sure. and that was uh, that was a bad sign also for how they, you know, often involve the sneaker sponsor in in some of these prospects and their dealings with a school and their decisions are often influenced by outside factors, and you never want to hear that a big sports apparel company is involved in this kind of corruption. But I didn't necessarily get into it to the extent of the impact that we're going to see on programs. So just uh, get us up to speed here.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the Cliff Notes version, and you summed it up well, Dan, is that September 26th, basically in like the, the pre-morning darkness, the FBI in 10 different places in the country – knocked on doors or knocked down doors and and arrested 10 different men tied to college basketball. Four of those men were assistant coaches at prominent programs, USC, Oklahoma State, Arizona, and Auburn. Uh, And then the other six were people tied to the you know, underbelly of college basketball. And the whole thing is really a window into this college basketball underbelly. There were two Adidas executives, uh, Jim Gatto and Merle code. There's right. a financial guy named Munish shoot out of New Jersey who has a net worth of, you know, it manages like hundreds of millions of dollars. And yet was trying to, you know, get a, get a piece of the, the finances of some middling college potential college basketball prospects. And, uh, there was an AAU coach and, Essentially the they the the feds through a, through a corrupt financial guy named Chuck Blazer, who they had they had brought in on other SEC things, that would be the Securities Exchange Commission, as your listeners know, yeah. not the Southeastern Conference. Uh, it basically hand delivered them this what they called this like playbook roadmap through the underbelly of college basketball. Gosh. So here we are now, five, six months later, whatever it is, and there's been Hundreds, thousands of phone calls, hundreds of hours of wiretaps, thousands of documents, bank records, and essentially what we wrote last week was that this sort of is this ticking time bomb over a sport that is predicated upon amateurism. Snicker at that if you will, right. and it has this complex rule book that you know, you know, for for years like wouldn't let you put cream cheese on a bagel or whatever like <laughs> it. It's just sort of this very clunky enterprise that's a billion-dollar business predicated on tuition and free labor. So right. um, what what this really is right now is just the, the largest and loudest collision of the NCA claim to amateurism and the realities of the market, which for now is a black market.
0: Well, and of course, unfortunately, I mean, obviously, it's a bad look for all the different reasons and the corruption and all that. But I mean, it sort of adds to an existing narrative that was already out there, which is, as you alluded to, a lot of people already think that the entire system is corrupt, that they exploit student athletes who really are basically full time athletes. They barely have time to do anything other than practice and they barely go to class. And of course, in some cases over the years, we've seen schools get in trouble for giving them easier classes or giving them passes without having to go. I mean, all this really, it's sort of like a scandal that just confirms what a lot of people have suspected or accused for years, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. The, the quote from from the story we did on Yahoo la- last week, Dan, that, that stuck with me, and you, you kind of said the whole system is corrupt, and that's what the sense giving this off is, is and I actually had a lot of coaches call me and kind of snicker at this quote because at <laughs> the heart of it it's true, is uh, from a source who said the crazy part of this business is none of the kids are free. Right. I mean, and so, you know, listeners at home right now might be like, oh, does, you know, do they hand a bag of money to Power Forward Prospect, you know, number 48 or whatever? Maybe, but the reality is because of the sneaker company involvement and handlers and agents and financiers trying to get their hooks in their kids or profit off the kids or whatever, it's actually a fascinatingly complex web in a a complex underbelly and black market that's been set up to pay these kids and what you're seeing through these criminal complaints the three criminal complaints and what we will likely be hearing once these wiretaps and documents are released is just sort of how some of these gentlemen attempting to purchase or profit off of these kids you know weren't the most sophisticated customers
0: right 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 absolutely you know, uh, some of the fallout that has already begun, of course, uh, Louisville will have to vacate its 2013 title. I guess also vacate the 2012 Final Four trip. Yeah. Uh, so
1: on technicality here, and it's hard to keep up with the litany of Louisville scandal. Right, it's
0: separate, but, but yeah.
1: You. Yeah. So Louisville, soon after this happened, Louisville fired Rick Patino, which was li- likely an accumulation of sins more than Louisville's attempt to purchase a shooting guard named Brian Bowen for six figures in this. Yeah. Um, we could, we, we'd have to start a, we, we'd ha- you'd have to turn it into Ken Burns if you wanted to do a half of like every Louisville scandal that ended up undoing Patino. <laughs> but basically that one was tied to the stripper parties, Right. not to be confused with the restaurant sex.
0: Right. And then, Um, (laughs) oh my God.
1: And so that is why the, the Louisville 2013 banner and their 2012 final four banner went down. I'd encourage your listeners, uh, to, to read Pat Forty's column that, uh, was posted yesterday. Pat lives in Louisville. He's really Mm. dialed in there and he gave a really nice feel and scene to exactly what, you know, the shame of a banner going down is for a proud program like louisville
0: well right and so i want to ask and i'm glad you make that distinction by the way i mean separate separate scandals although actually when the news first came out of this probe at first louisville was was named or thought to be one of the schools that was going to be named especially with the relationship with adidas as far as i understood
1: oh no they're they're in the thicket of this one too okay okay don't don't get it confused um that's just not why the banner went down.
0: Right, 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 right. It
1: went down tied to a previous NCAA investigation. Gosh, which,
0: you wonder what more can be, what more can Louisville be punished with?
1: Well, it, I mean, they are certainly going to be in the in the NCAA crosshairs, and there's there's documentation that Adidas was going to arrange a six figure payment for this for this shooting guard for Michigan via Christian Dawkins, who was this sort of effective yet reckless uh, young middleman who went through the environment and was essentially running for an agent named Andy Miller, who's kind of been a notorious agent in the eyes of the NCAA, um, and even in the eyes of other NBA agents. He was always the one furthest out on the ledge over over the years. So again, if, you, if your listeners aren't following this, I don't blame them because it is a, just a weird, complex web. But oh, basically, yeah. yeah, Louisville is still facing more NCA issues. Um, and again, there's like almost like two separate parts to this probe now. Yeah. Uh, the NCA isn't gonna get involved until the feds, A, are done, or B, tell them they can get involved. So the is sitting back and waiting, and the feds have this trove of documents and wiretaps that essentially incriminate dozens and dozens of, of college basketball programs, in terms of, again, are, are people gonna get arrested I don't know. But in terms of NCAA rules, there are a lot, lot, lot of things out there. You know, a a source said to me, if the NCAA is going to get Andy Miller's bank records, God bless them. I don't know what they're going to (laughs) do. Right. You're better off changing the rules. Right. Um, Just because it's going to be a lot of kids who are affected a lot of seasons retroactively made ineligible. Will more banners go down? I don't know. But there certainly is going to be a, you know – Again, if all this goes through, if the NCA gets the stuff, there's some variables there, but there is the potential, Dan, for a lot of a lot of vacation of records and different things. And then you're starting talking about tainted legacies, do you have control of the program? You know, why were your players getting money? Like there, there there's the potential just for a rousing reverberation throughout the entire sport.
0: It's funny, the idea of vacating wins you know, or, or sanctions like like the ones that were levied against Penn State. The idea of of invalidating something that happened has always been silly to me. I mean, I get that it's a symbolic punishment, but uh, you know, I, I just I pointed this out on Twitter. But it's sort of like you can't erase actual real life history. You can't tell players that that played in those games.
1: This is what I'll, I'll say to that, Dan. I agree with that that take. I understand that take. Like, I get it. I will say there's a distinction when you take a title away it cuts to the core of a fan base. Now this is the first basketball one to be vacated, which by the way, like I would not have had the over on college basketball running for like a hundred years. And this being the first, you know, national title being vacated, considering the environment and state of the sport, there's been final four banners taken down. Uh, John Calipari's had two others certainly have been, uh, have been pulled from the rafters, but this is the first title. I, and again, I spent a decent amount of time in Louisville covering college sports over the years. I have a sense of that, of that fan base. I do really think this pierces their soul, much more so cuz you're taking their title away. Yeah. You don't get a lot of titles. That's a once a generation deal, right? Uh, for for most programs. So, now again, if they had gone 28 and 6 and made the sweet 16 and they took that away, I agree with you. I don't really think that has a big impact. But I do I do think there's a distinction with a with a title that's just my my sitting back watching the watching the watching the field go in because right. that that hurts the the soul of a fan base
0: right yep I feel you on that uh, so let, let's return back to the the main sort of thrust of your story you know I, I saw a lot of people reacting to the story as follows and of course this was a little bit of a, a cynical way and it, and it wasn't that they were undermining the content at all but you know, with with a story like this, that was saying, "Hey, get ready. There is going to be huge fallout that comes." Uh, this is a, is a great line in your story. You say, "Hall of Fame coaches should be scared. Uh, school presidents should be losing sleep." You said in a video that accompanied your story, and I saw a lot of people tweeting it out and saying, "Okay, when?" Or you know, or uh, uh, what you know, what when can we expect? And of course, you know, it's hard to predict the exact timeline here. But in terms of the case and how and how sluggishly things unfold, I mean, to be clear. These likely aren't effects that are going to happen before this year's bracket starts. Do I understand that correctly?
1: There's, Dan, I, I, I would generally agree with that. This is going to be a long and plotting. Yeah. its three actual—just to make a distinction here to, to, to show the complexity of this and why I don't foresee anything coming out before the tournament. But again— I've covered federal court cases before, but I would be far to you know. I'm barely an expert in college football and college basketball. Never mind <laughs> the nuances of federal court. So right. uh, all um, I
0: remember is it always takes far, 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 far longer than anyone thinks.
1: <laughs> correct. Yes, I used to say this about NCA cases, and I guess I can just take it over. The only thing I know for sure is it's going to take a long time. Right. Yeah. Um, that's the only the only certainty in uh, in in NCA investigations. So there are actually three criminal cases tied to this sweeping federal probe. Um, just because of the way things have gone out. One will be tried in October. The next one will be tried in February. And then the final one, which involves the three of the assistant coaches and is kind of a bigger one, and they said it could be a four or five week trial, I believe is April 22nd of 2019. Yeah, not close. So the... uh...
0: By then, then, three other more scandals will have been exposed anyway, so...
1: I would take the over. Um, So... (laughs) So basically, unless the, – the, the Southern District of New York, what I've, what I've realized is like just sort of following this and talking to a lot of like former prosecutors who work there and different people. It's a pretty straight-laced operation. Um, now, the college basketball community, the coaches who call me every day looking for clarity on this and all that, they are kind of like a cynical and fatalist group. They're like, oh, those, those guys are going to – those guys are going to drop a bomb on the monday after selection sunday or whatever those guys are going to do that i've been given no sense that 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 group operates that way i think that when you know again my dealings my dealings with them my observations with them knowing the people they've talked to they are they are a they are a pretty starch collar operation they are they are not they, i've been given no sense that now again there was a there was a press conference at the start of this that was a little bit over the top in the Southern District certainly has a history of enjoying publicity, mm. they would get no more publicity you know, in, in a decade than if they dropped this on the Monday after Selection Sunday. Right. I just don't get the sense that they wanna do that. I, I think it's a buttoned up, op- my feel is it's a buttoned up operation that's gonna let this play out, which means likely dribs and drabs of different things mm. because all this incriminating information is under protective order. Um, it will be when pretrial motions are filed. It will be, you know, it will be through the regular course of a trial and how information gets released. Yeah. And then, so the timing is, that was a big, long way to say, I don't know. And no one knows. <laughs> right. I would think the pattern we've seen in the first five months is probably the, the right pattern, right? Yeah. You have a big, obviously blip, and then it goes quiet. It's quiet, 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 and then you're going to have a blip, and then it's going to calm down. Then, right. in, in a lot of that will again in the next couple months come around when the trials are and such. Yeah, and then information release tied to them, et cetera.
0: In your work with college sports reporting, obviously you also we're talking about the coaches, but you also often talk with athletes. Uh, sure. When we talk about recruits and you know high school stars that are picking between which big D one program they're going to go to, do you think? issues like this, stories like this have an effect. Uh, I mean, I tend to, you know, if I'm wearing my sort of skeptical reporter's hat, I, I tend to lean toward no, just in the sense that if you're a, a high school star and you're deciding between three of the best programs and it's Duke, UNC, or Louisville, and of course, you know, vacating a win, that's a separate thing. And that's, you know, bad for the program. But in terms of the coaching staff, how big of a you know, how much you can grow as a player, how big of a name you can be, how much you can help your prospects if you think that you're good enough to go to the NBA eventually. I would think that a corruption case like this doesn't necessarily hurt the talent pipeline, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: I think you're wrong because if you are shrouded in a federal scandal and there's a chance that coaches on your staff could be on wiretaps or implicated, mm. players could be ineligible, you certainly can't run head first to Louisville. You know, or run head for like. I mean, you could, but I just don't think <laughs> it's pragmatic, right? I mean, if you look at the the places that have been wrapped up, in there's some like Arizona has two commitments who are very good. So, God bless them, they're Arizona. You know, they have a great they have a great brand. Hmm. But that there, I I don't know. Maybe there's some naivety on the scene. Maybe there's some you know. But I would I would think if you talk to the coaches at every place that's been touched by this. They would say it's been exponentially more difficult to recruit. That would be right that would be if they admit it. Yeah. That would be my general sense. I don't know if they'd admit that out loud or on the record, but how could it not be? Because at the very least, if you're, you know, Arizona or USC going against UCLA, Stanford, and Washington or whatever, just picking random Pac twelve schools. Mm. What do you think those coaches are telling the kid? Hey, hey, Dan, of course. Like do you want to go to the place that where the where the, the you know the Fed chopper is like slowly hovering over yeah. the? Arena? Um, you know that's just the it's it is a very one thing about college basketball especially God bless it it is a cutthroat environment so and I would think that's gonna that's gonna reverberate out mm. on the uh, you know onto the onto the recruiting trail.
0: Let's uh, zoom out a little bit to to as we wrap up here and and let's just talk about. As we alluded to at the very beginning of this chat, I mean, the longstanding idea of the NCAA's definition of amateurism, the idea that there are many people in this country, you could call it a movement, you could say that it has gained steam, who believe that the players should be in some way compensated, of course, beyond what most of them do get, which is uh, some kind of scholarship, often four years of, of college for free. Uh, people believe that they should be paid, and, and people believe the NCAA is this you know corrupt organization. Uh, I had in here a year ago Joe Nocera. I'm sure you know Joe, uh, sure. who's uh, now at the Times or Bloomberg. I guess Bloomberg now. Bloomberg, yeah. Yeah, and uh, has been all over, former timing colleague of both of us. And he has a new book out, now it's been out there for a year, uh, called Indentured. And, you know, the the concept being that the NCAA basically turns these athletes into indentured servants. Now, I think that goes a little far. Uh, but, yeah, but little. you know, that this is a very popular um, narrative, the idea no that question. the NCAA has gotten away with murder for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, how does the case we're discussing day, Dan, affect just to cut you
1: off, I was laughing, printing out some, like, court evidence docs, you know, just from the public filings, in, like, Taylor Branch's long long old piece from mm. a couple years ago. Right. <laughs> from what the Atlantic yeah. was like submitted as evidence, you know, in, uh, I think it was in the motion to dismiss.
0: Wow. Right. So, the, the shame yeah. of college sports.
1: Yeah, exactly. It just kind of made me chuckle because I was like, Oh, I'd never thought I'd see Taylor Branch's article <laughs> about the NCAA in a court filing." Right. Here well, we There are. you go.
0: Oh no. I mean, they, they are well aware of the, you know, sort of public reputation that the organization has, I think increasingly.
1: Yes. and, to, to answer your question, like, you know, I've probably done this like 20 years now, and this feels like a tipping point more than any other potential tipping point that I've seen in the last two decades. Wow. Will it be one? That's a complicated question because people simplify the NCAA, and at its very core, it is a complex organization that is essentially membership-based and driven. People in the membership really don't want to pay the players, which is what this comes down to. They've made that they've made that very clear. You will see very few athletic directors, presidents, etc., you know, publicly state that's what they want. All the coaches say they want to pay the players because for recruiting. Steve Spurrier was always the best at it. Like he wanted to, yeah. you know, he wanted to win powerball, you know, because he wanted them to come. <laughs> so it it makes sense. Um, but what what this has proven, literally proven through. Receipts and wiretaps, et cetera, is that the high end college basketball player is a coveted commodity where the decades of this black market has literally formed a market for them. Yeah. And it's getting harder and harder to ignore that. But all that said, you know, you hear the narrative like you you said, Dan, pay the players, pay the players, pay the players. Yeah. That's not easy either.
0: Like, right. Well, that's what I always say. I mean, that would yeah. be extremely complicated. Not to oh mention even how Title Nine would affect that. I, boy.
1: Yeah. You You pay the players at uh, Ohio State. Sure. That That That's not going to be that hard, right? Well, you pay the football and basketball players. Do you pay the women's basketball players? What are the tax implications? Um, does the left guard get as much as J T. Barrett? The backup left guard, or the holder, or the walk on, or the you know, yeah. when you when you go through these they are getting essentially 100 grand a year most of these kids at high-end schools because tuition now at most high-end private schools anyways 70 grand right
0: yeah yep so well now of course but, the retort people make is though you can't count that really as pay especially because are they getting the same quality of education when they're you know basketball is their life or football whatever the sport that they play is
1: and it's that's a reasonable retort but they're not going to have college loans right they got a chance at a degree um, you know, a lot of them athletics is afforded them an opportunity at a, at, a, at an educational level, they may not have been able to achieve. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a reasonable argument, but I would be curious if someone did a study, if you went, you know, 130 division one football programs, I guess, right. Cause that's where I would have to start. That's where all the money really, the, the real money is, um, you know, what would be the value of you know, someone at Ohio State at the top, Toledo in the middle, and then South Alabama at the bottom, right? And like, how, how would you, how would you go about doing that? Does that mean that the power five have to break away from the others? There's certainly a schism there that's growing by the day. Um, again, all I'm saying is like, it's, you know, you, we can all sit around and yell, kumbaya, pay the players, but it's going to take someone way smarter than us to figure out a way to do that, in, you know, in a way. But I, going back to the one to one thirty thing, like, is the starting, uh, you know, nose guard at Toledo, earning the school, which they get like no TV money or anything like that. Right. Is he earning the school more than he's getting? I don't know. Hmm. You know. And then even, like, I live in Boston, so I'm going to say Boston College. Like, A.J. Dillon will be a Heisman candidate the next two years. He's Boston College's star tailback. He's a really, really good player. He was the best freshman running back in the country next year. So he'll be the the face of the school. He will make them millions of dollars in publicity, in ticket sales, et cetera, right? But BC is one of the lower-earning Power Five revenue schools. Yeah. The back end of the roster, I can't imagine those kids – or you you could quantify that those kids are helping earn um, what they're, you know, the, the, if they are five-year players, the half million dollars that they're getting for, you know, for their time in school. So again, I'm not saying don't pay the players, but I'm just saying it's not easy. That's all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's sort of, uh, it's easy to, I think you put it well. It's easy to say, scream about we should pay them, but let's see an actual model for how to do that. Uh, Extremely complicated.
1: This time of year it's like, DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley, and you see all these guys, and yes, are they worth it? You know, of course. Right. You know, and the, the the middle step that's been discussed, and I'm sure we'll see another discussion, is going to be image and likeness, right? Um, and yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with that debate. Of course,
0: dating back to the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit. Yes. Of course.
1: Yes. So if just DeAndre Ayton could go to the local car dealership and sign autographs based on his image and likeness, you know, and make, uh, you know, $5,000 on a Saturday um, or a Sunday when they don't have a game or whatever. Like, should he be allowed to do that? Should he be allowed to make money off his jersey? Like, should you at least allow these guys to, to profit off what they are in real time? I think that argument, uh, the argument against that is getting more and more indefensible yeah. as, you know, as the court filings come out.
0: And that's easier to handle, of course, too. I mean you can well, say it would okay
1: see to handle because then it would get into recruiting it would be complicated mm. it would all be complicated right. because I guess I just be
0: less 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 complicated than yes. figuring out a salary or stipend in addition to tuition to pay each player each year because
1: yeah. yeah. at a place like Alabama there's like million dollar businesses that can be set up around kids and that's at the very least yeah. that's complicated
0: yeah Wow. Well, a lot to unpack. Uh, we'll be watching. I'm sure you'll be reporting on this incrementally, week to week, day to day. So, I want to make sure our Yahoo Finance listeners follow you, Yahoo Sports. And uh, thanks for coming on, Pete. This is great.
1: Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me, bud. Appreciate you.
0: Okay. We'll talk again. All right. Great to have Pete Thameland. And uh, you know, all of this corruption in college sports will not be going away. I mean, God knows you see a case like this that has so many different tentacles and arms to it. And uh, it's almost like you could compare it to the larger movement that's happening right now with harassment in the workplace and powerful men being outed. Because uh, what I mean is one story comes out and then it's a little bit of an avalanche and more comes out, more comes out. And you think, boy, we're not done yet. And it's almost like this collective unburdening I think you can uh, bring that example to college sports as well. I don't think anyone thinks that this current probe, which Pete reports will have far-reaching implications, is the end-all be-all in the end of it. Uh, I'm sure there will be more. As we discussed, Louisville was just hit this week with major punishments for something that isn't even part of this uh, current case that Pete is reporting on. So there's a lot going on here, and uh, it's bad timing for the NCAA as we hit March Madness and we await the bracket. And it's an exciting time of year. Uh, People love watching these games. People love doing their office March Madness pool. But boy, having this news come out at the same time really puts a taint on it. So stay tuned. We'll be watching. We'll be discussing. And uh, we'll keep monitoring. I'm sure we'll also be talking more about NCAA March Madness basketball on this podcast in the next few weeks. So uh, always remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast here, Yahoo Finance Sportsbook. We'll be coming at you every Thursday morning as we have been since August. Thanks for listening. And remember to find us, comment, reach us, tweet at us. Let us know what you think about this corruption case. And as I asked Pete, I always love to hear if people think that college athletes should in some way be paid. What is your take on that ongoing debate? Let us know. See you next Thursday. Goodbye.